Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, December 10th. I am Aranza Loizaga, and these are today's headlines. A historic day for the United States of America, President Donald Trump facing two articles of impeachment, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. The White House responding, calling the claims, quote, false charges. House Democrats announced a trade deal to replace the decades-old NAFTA agreement, a major win for President Trump on the same day that Democrats announced impeachment charges against him. And a group of doctors marched to a detention facility on the southwest border to try to vaccinate incarcerated migrants against the flu. This after three children died from it while under custody. This and much more today on You News, recorded live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin with a historic day for our nation. Democrats announcing articles of impeachment against President Donald Trump, calling the 45th president's misconduct overwhelming and uncontested. Noreen Cáceres has all the details on the announcement and what happens next. House Democrats in a united front convinced the president has violated the Constitution. On this solemn day, I'm, I recall that the first order of business for members of Congress is the solemn act to take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Announcing two articles of impeachment against Donald Trump, charging him for high crimes and misdemeanors. The first article is for abuse of power. That is exactly what President Trump did when he solicited and pressured Ukraine to interfere in our 2020 presidential election. Adam the evidence of the president's the misconduct is overwhelming, and, overwhelming uncontested. and uncontested. And how the president's own words on July 25th, I would like you to do us a favor, though, lay so bare his intentions, his willingness to sacrifice the national security for his own personal interests. And when the president got caught, he committed his second impeachable act, obstruction of Congress of the very ability to make sure that no one is above the law, not even the president of the United States. And answering the question many have asked, why not wait until key witnesses testify? It has taken us eight months to get a lower court ruling that Don McGahn has no absolute right to defy Congress. Eight months for one court decision. The argument, why don't you just wait, amounts to this. Why don't you just let him cheat in one more election? Some liberal lawmakers wanted the charges to include the Russia probe. Centrists preferred keeping them focused on Ukraine. At some point later this week, the House Judiciary Committee will vote on the articles. A full House vote is expected next week to possibly approve them, making Donald Trump the third president to be impeached. Back to you, Aranza. Lorraine, thank you very much. Let's go to Janet Rodriguez for reactions to this historic announcement. Janet, has the White House issued a statement? They have. They have issued a statement. So has the president himself on Twitter. And they're both looking forward to that Senate trial because they believe that the Republicans will be unified. Uh, they will acquit the president and the president will uh, finally come out on top in this impeachment sham, as they call it, in this hoax. The president saying on Twitter... To 
president who has proven through results, including producing perhaps the strongest economy in our country's history, to have one of the most successful presidencies ever, and most importantly, who has done nothing wrong, is sheer political madness. That's the president today who also... Uh, went on Twitter to criticize the Democrats, especially Natler and Schiff, calling them names over Twitters. And the White House, in its statement, said that this is a baseless and partisan attempt to undermine a sitting president. This is a sham impeachment that House Democrats have long wanted to overturn the votes of 63 million Americans. And they have to do it this way because they cannot take him out in a legitimate way at the ballot boxes. And they say that the announcement of two baseless articles of impeachment does not hurt the president and that the president will address the false charges in the Senate and expects to be fully exonerated because he did nothing wrong. We do not believe at this point, Aranza, that the president will testify in the Senate. We believe that that job will be left to the lawyers of the president who in their, uh, in their in his behalf will go in front of the Senate Republicans and testify there. And as I'm telling you, Republicans now sounding the alarms and saying that they're unified and they have the president's back once those articles of impeachment get approved in the House and uh, the trial in the Senate now basically inevitable. But we do not believe at this point that any Republican will vote to impeach or to find the president guilty. Back to you. Thank you, Janet Rodriguez from Washington, D.C. And for more, let's go to Ma Max Bergman. He's a senior fellow at the Center for American Progress. Thank you for joining us, Max. Thanks for having me. So why did Democrats choose to charge the president with obstruction of Congress instead of obstruction of justice? Well, I think they went for a more narrow route uh, than they potentially could have. And, and I think there was a lot of debate about it. One view was that they should make it broad, include all the crimes, show a pattern of behavior. And they could have definitely charged obstruction of justice related to the Mueller report. The Mueller report in volume two of it outlined 10 cases of obstruction of justice. And that's from a special prosecutor from the Department of Justice. It's about as clear cut as you can get. But what's also clear cut is the obstruction of Congress. It's, it's happening right now as we speak when Mick Mulvaney, the chief of staff, when Mike, uh, Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, uh, when John Bolton, the former National Security Advisor, are refusing to testify uh, through lawful subpoenas that have been issued. So what we're seeing is a clear obstruction of Congress. And so I think that's why they went on that path. It's it, If Trump is allowed to, frankly, get away with this obstruction of Congress, there's no reason why a future Democratic administration couldn't just simply ignore uh, any request from Congress for information. So it's, it's an incredibly bad precedent not to impeach Trump uh, over his obstruction of Congress, and I think that's why they, they wanted to include that. Max, could other charges be added later? I think it's unlikely at this stage. Where we are now is that the House Democrats want to wrap this up, get this done. Uh, they feel a sense of urgency. You could argue some of that's politically driven. I think some of it's also the sense that they've proven the case about uh, uh, about Trump's efforts vis-a-vis -vis Ukraine. So I think what we're going to see is this week will be in the committee of the House Judiciary Committee. Well, they'll vote on the articles, uh, and then those articles will go forward to the, the uh, to the full House to 
vote. However, it is possible that Congress could still keep open the impeachment inquiry and continue to investigate and probe other misconduct. For, for example, President Trump's uh, interactions with China, where he allegedly did exactly the same thing and uh, pressured the Chinese to investigate uh, Biden, Hunter Biden. Uh, so we'll see if, if what comes in January, whether the House Democrats kind of continue uh, their oversight responsibilities. So how has Democrats ultimately decided to keep the articles narrowly, like you mentioned, focused on Ukraine and keep out the Mueller probe? Why? And was that wise? So so I, I don't think it was wise, frankly. I think the Mueller report was uh, incredibly damning, probably the most damning report ever written about a president of the United States. Uh, and it's very clear cut. I think there was a political decision that Democrats were divided over how to respond to the Mueller report. And including it now would have been sort of opening old wounds. And I think that's not an unreasonable argument. However, I think the criminality in the Mueller report is so clear cut, uh, especially around obstruction of justice. And here you are about to enter a criminal trial, uh, or a trial in the Senate, and it's good to bring forth uh, criminal activity that is very clear cut, that has been proven by a prosecutor. So, so I think that was probably a mistake. However, I think there was a, a worry about relitigating the Mueller report when Democrats feel that they f sort of failed to do that adequately uh, when it came out in April. Max, many expect the House to vote to impeach the president and the Republican-led Senate to clear him. But could there be any surprises that could change this outcome? And what will you be looking for? No, absolutely. I mean, history is not predetermined. And part of the reason why you run these processes is that you put pressure on uh, Republicans and Democrats to make a decision of whether they stand with by this behavior or not. And history is made for moments like these, for individuals to step up, to break with their party, to do something brave. Uh, and maybe that won't happen. I think that's probably the safe bet. Um, but I think the other element here is, you know, we are constantly looking back. There's been very few cases of an impeachment trial, of the impeachment process. Nixon didn't go through this, for instance. So we look back at the Clinton process, and there, the actual process in the House was very dramatic. They resulted in two speakers of the House resigning, actually. But the trial was fairly boring. In this case, it could be the opposite, where the trial, depending on how the rules are set up and whether a there's a majority in favor of having a fair process, such as senators like Mitt Romney, you could see subpoenas for McMulvaney and John Bolton and Mike Pompeo and other people that I've mentioned, which then could be quite dramatic, could lead to more information, more pressure on Republicans. And also the Senate has a certain gravitas, which the House is oftentimes lacking. And I think we've been seeing that in some of the committee process. Um, and so we could see uh, a more honest debate and one where you never know, retiring senators could break and could surprise us. So I think we shall see. I think there's, there could be a lot of twists and turns ahead. We'll be on the lookout. Thank you for joining us, Max, and for your time as well. Thank you. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi today announced agreement on a modified North American trade pact, handing President Donald Trump a major win on the same day that Democrats announced their impeachment charges against him. Pelosi called the revised trade pact a victory for America's workers. She did not say when the House would vote on the revised agreement, but suggested it could happen before the end of the year. 
Amazon is suggesting President Trump abused his position to apply improper pressure on Pentagon decision makers to stop the tech giant from winning a military contract worth billions of dollars. A formal protest was unsealed at the U.S. Court of Federal Claims Monday. It alleges Trump launched repeated public and behind-the-scenes attacks against Amazon to try to undermine its bid to hurt CEO Jeff Bezos. He claims Trump views Bezos as a political enemy because of his ownership of the Washington Post. The complaint calls for the Defense Department to revisit its decision to award the $10 billion cloud computing contract to Microsoft. A Pentagon spokeswoman said an expert team decided which company to select for the contract and there were no external influences. President Trump is meeting today with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. A senior administration official calls it a meeting to discuss the state of the relationship between both countries. It comes the same day as House Democrats unveiled two articles of impeachment against President Trump. We're talking about abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. Later in the evening, the president and vice president will hold a campaign rally in Pennsylvania. We could soon learn about some of the clients who worked with Democratic presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg during his time at a consulting firm. Monday, a spokeswoman for McKinsey and Company said Buttigieg could release the names of his clients during his three years at the company. This after reports of McKinsey's work for immigration and customs enforcement raised questions. Buttigieg worked for the firm from 2007 to 2010. And speaking of Buttigieg, in a hypothetical head-to-head matchup, former Vice President Joe Biden and Major Pete Buttigieg statistically tie President Donald Trump in Arizona, a state Trump carried in 2016, according to a poll released Monday. A new OH Predictive Insights poll shows that in Arizona matchups, Biden earns 44% to Trump's 46%. For his part, Buttigieg earns 43% to Trump's 45% in a state that has traditionally been a Republican stronghold in presidential elections. Meanwhile, a new poll of registered Democrats has Hillary Clinton as their top choice for the 2020 Democratic Party presidential nomination, and she's not even running. The online Harris Poll survey released by the Center for American Political Studies at Harvard found that Clinton placed first with 21% of the vote, followed closely by former Vice President Joe Biden at 20%, Senator Bernie Sanders at 12%, Senator Elizabeth Warren at 9%, and former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg at 7%. In immigration news, a federal court has blocked, you know, changes the Trump administration made to the fee waiver process for green card applications. October, this happened during October, uh, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services announced it was revising its application for fee waivers. It removed a means-tested benefit criteria that was previously used to determine if an applicant was exempt from the fees. On Monday, the California judge issued a nationwide injunction in the case. The ruling means that applicants will be able to return to using the old form, and applicants for citizenship who would have been eligible for a fee waiver can still apply. 
At least three migrant children have died from the flu while in U.S. immigration custody over the past year. And now a group of health care providers are pushing to make U.S. Customs and Border Protection provide access to their facilities to vaccinate deta detained migrants to prevent further tragedies. Nidia Cavazos brings us the details. A group of doctors from around the country marched to the Border Patrol facility in San Isidro, California, to try to enter and vaccinate detained migrants against influenza. They want to avoid death in the cells of migrants detained while attempting to cross the border illegally. The doctors say that for several weeks they have been seeking authorization from the Border Patrol, but have not yet received a response. And they essentially don't let us in. This is an action that's letting people die passively of influenza, something that can be prevented. They arrived at the main gate, but no one received them, and the gate remained closed. Right there, they protested against the policies of the U.S. federal authorities and blamed them for the death of migrants in their custody. We know we've lost several children's lives, which is absolutely aberrant and outrageous. The media are here, ready, we're waiting, so that they let us in and take care of the children. They spoke about the death of Carlos, a 16-year-old Guatemalan who died inside a detention center in Texas, apparently for a lack of proper medical care. In the case of Carlos, the 16-year-old boy, he had a high temperature of 103 degrees, and he was left dehydrated without medical treatment. They left him to die. The doctors expressed concern about the arrival of winter and the spread of more respiratory diseases that could take the lives of more migrants. They have not approached the gate, so we've been standing there waving to them and they actually back their vehicles away. In San Isidro, California, for U News, Jorge Fregoso, this is Nidia Cavazos. A former Secretary of Public Safety in Mexico has been indicted in New York on charges that he took millions of dollars in bribes from the Sinaloa drug cartel. Genaro Garcia Luna was arrested Monday by federal agents in Dallas. The arrest and charges were announced today. Federal prosecutors in Brooklyn said Garcia Luna is charged with three counts of cocaine trafficking conspiracy and one count of making false statements. Garcia Luna was Secretary of Public Safety in Mexico from 2006 to 2012. The Chilean Air Force announced this morning that they're searching with a lot of effort in the Antarctica because one of their Air Force planes went missing. The Air Force said it lost communication with one of its aircraft about an hour before it after it took off. The Hercules C-130 has 38 passengers and crew on board. A search and rescue team has been activated in that area. Four American tourists escaped serious injury in Costa Rica on Monday after the small plane they were riding in blew its tires, skidding to a stop on the runway. The plane made an emergency landing in the Pavis district of San Jose. Speaking to media, pilot Alvaro Chavarria said the tourists on board remained calmed. Paramedics and firefighters were on standby at the airport, but passengers and the pilots were able to walk off the plane without serious injury. 
Now to Honduras, where a hit in a maximum security prison is still under investigation. The now deceased inmate was tied to Tony Hernandez, the brother of Honduran President Juan Orlando Hernandez, who was convicted of multiple drug trafficking counts and related weapons charges in October. And now, new details exclusively obtained by Univision suggest that the prison murder could have been linked to the inmate's possible cooperation with U.S. authorities. Joanna Usma has the latest. Investigators are still searching for answers a month after Neri Lopez was murdered in a maximum security prison in Honduras. Four suspects have been arrested, but nothing is known about the mastermind behind the killing. However, new evidence has come to light about a series of events that preceded the crime. A private investigator hired by TH came from the U.S., from his lawyer, and he wanted me to tell everything I knew about TH. That is the voice of Neri Lopez, the owner of the so-called narcolibretas, or narco notebooks that were presented as evidence in the trial against Tony Hernandez. Lopez escaped justice for a few years by faking his own death and obtaining a new ID under the name of Magdaleno Mesa. In the audio recording, which Univision obtained exclusively, Lopez talks about being visited in prison on May 27th by Chase Lalani, a private investigator from Miami hired by Amilka Hernandez, another brother of the Honduran president. Sin nuestro conocimiento y sin autorización. Without our knowledge and without authorization, because they could not have entered to visit a prisoner inside a maximum security prison without the judge authorizing that visit. The Honduran authorities refused to speak to Univision. However, the government alleged that Lopez was set to testify that the narco notebooks were fake. All this shows a concern for knowing how much information Neri Lopez was willing to give away. A entregar como información. Univision obtained documents that reveal that months before his death, Lopez had offered to collaborate with the DEA. His lawyers even met with a DEA agent and shared an audio recording sent by Lopez. Estoy totalmente en la disponibilidad para poder ser I'm totally available to collaborate with the American government, with the American justice system. Reported by Claudia Mendoza in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. Joanna Uzma, U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, U News on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. The CDC and the FDA are investigating a multi-state E. coli outbreak thought to be caused by Fresh Express Sunflower Crisp Chopped Salad Kit. Eight people in three states have been affected. They, feel they fell ill between November 5th and November 15th. No deaths have been reported, but three people have been hospitalized and one person experienced kidney failure. 
And listen up, if you have any White Castle frozen burgers sitting in your freezer, you should throw them out. The company recalled several varieties due to possible listeria contamination. Some of the packages include six packs of hamburgers, cheeseburgers, and jalapeno or jalapeno cheeseburgers. Large 16-pack versions of hamburgers and cheeseburgers are also part of the recall. All of the products have best by dates of August of 2020. And speaking of burgers, some better news for fans of Beyond Burgers. The popular imitation meat brand will sell Beyond Burgers to select Costco stores. The plant-based burgers are usually sold in packs of two, but for the first time, the company will offer an eight-pack and patties at the store. Beyond Meat has partnered with other companies recently, including McDonald's and KFC, and has a presence at stores including Walmart and Target. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.